welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. A, sermon, a summer sermon series on the book of Ephesians. This entire summer, I will be preaching through Ephesians. So go ahead and pull out your Bibles, and you want to open up to the uh, New Testament epistle of Ephesians. We're in Ephesians chapter 1. Now you say, Pastor, how do I know where the book of Ephesians is? Remember, I've shared with us about how to find Ephesians. If you, there are several epistles writ, wrote by Paul that are all together. And it's, you have to remember, General Electric Power Company. That stands for Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. You can remember your order of your books in that way. So Ephesians comes after Galatians. This is a fantastic book that I believe greatly applies to all areas of our life. I talk about how wonderful it is to live here in America, but I want to tell you something sad that I saw. We were in Paris, and we went by the U.S. Embassy, and I tried to take a picture of their, their guard. Their guards are there carrying machine guns. I mean, it's just weird. So... Um, our U.S. Embassy in Paris has the American flag. And do you know what's flying directly below the American flag? The rainbow flag. And the, we were the only embassy that had that. That is, our, that is our nation we live in. And the Bible that we're about to see in this book addresses all of this. And we, I, I, I pull up my camera to take a picture of that. And the, guy, the guard says, no, 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 sir, no pictures. They, they won't let you photograph that. Um, we're going to see here about... Yes, we are Americans. Yes, we live in a wonderful country where we're blessed to live here, but our citizenship and the greatest blessing we actually receive, and the Bible's going to show us, is that of one of a heavenly citizenship and one being a spiritual blessing that we have an identity in Christ Jesus. If you are here this morning and you are saved, Jesus Christ, He is your Savior. He is your Redeemer. And Paul uses all of these different words we're about to see to display and remind us about that, the connection we have to Christ. And the main part we're going to see this morning is your identity, your DNA, who you are, is actually in Christ. Above our citizenship, above what country we were born in, above anything else, we find our roots in the Lord Jesus. So we're going to be reading Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 1. We're going to read 19 verses today. There's two different sections. Now, Ephesians is a book, what we call a prison letter or a prison epistle. Paul wrote four prison epistles. The four prison epistles are Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, and of course, Ephesians. He was in prison in Rome. This is after his third missionary journey. So he's gone on all his trips. He spent all his money in all these touristy places. He planted his, planted his churches there. And one of the churches he planted was the church in Ephesus. He installed a young pastor named Timothy, who pastored the church in Ephesus. And he's writing this letter several years later to just 
encouraging to remind them to be faithful in the Lord. It's kind of like a follow-up note. And it's something here, it's six chapters, and he's saying this is how you should live in Christ. Because I'm sure he heard reports and rumors about maybe some issues that had come up there in their church, and Paul wanted to address them. Since he was the founding pastor, he felt he needed to address the situation. So that's the context of this book. Now, I have actually received a letter, several letters from people who are behind bars. And they are not like the book of Ephesians. If you receive a letter from people who are behind bars, they're going to ask for money. And the second thing they're going to ask for is for you somehow talk to an attorney to help uh, get their case before a judge so they can get out of jail. Every person in jail wants out of jail. That's their goal, or hopefully it should be their goal with that. But we see here Paul, he's writing this letter, and he's not asking for money. He's reminding you about his identity, and your identity in Christ. So never forget, he's in chains writing this, and he's overwhelmingly happy. If you were in chains, you were, and certainly I, we probably wouldn't speak this way. So follow along here in your Bibles. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will. God called Paul. He was called to be an apostle. God calls people today. I was called to preach when I was 16 years old. Brother Hurd has pastored nine churches. He was called over 65 years ago to be a minister of the Lord. There's a calling we receive from God. To the faithful saints, that's us Christians in Christ Jesus at Ephesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, look at this, this is the theme for the entire book, with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. Every spiritual blessing. We identify blessings as many ways of financial blessing. It was a blessing my parents were able to bring the Osmond family two weeks ago to London and Paris. Wonderful place to visit. You go bankrupt living there, you literally have to make at least a million dollars even live in those cities to pay for stuff. And you're glad to get home after you pay for your COVID test, but we assume blessings in a material, financial way, but not Paul. He looks his blessings as spiritual blessings, and he's about to list all of these spiritual blessings here. And we, when we use the word blessing, we need to start thinking about it this way. He says, he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. For, now look at these words. A lot of times us as Baptists, we don't feel comfortable using this language we're about to see. Because all of a sudden you say, oh, predestination. Oh, those are the Presbyterians. These are the folks that have been chosen. They are the frozen chosen. These are the folks here... That they, don't, they don't walk the aisle and get saved. But look at the language God has chosen to use to describe our blessings. Look at this. For He, meaning the Lord Jesus, 
chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So you have been chosen by the Lord. That's a blessing. God has chosen you to be saved. He desires and longs and wants people who are separated from him. And folks, it is lost in London and Paris. We went to church last Sunday in London at Metropolitan Tabernacle. The only other evangelical church I could find in that city was Hillsong Church, which is out of Australia, meeting in a theater. That's it. Every other church is a museum, which costs money to get into, by the way. And they have a gift shop. So, and, and a restaurant. So, and I share this because lostness is all around us. And the people of the world, all those eight, seven, eight billion people, the Lord has chosen, He desires for people who are far from the Lord to be saved. You, I look out in the audience this morning, I see faces I don't know. Maybe it's your first Sunday, or maybe you came last Sunday and I was gone. It's your second Sunday here. God desires you to know Him. He's chosen you. You're not here by accident. It's no accident you're hearing this message. For He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Look at this. To be holy and blameless in love before Him. God, God's plan for you is not first so much what you do, it's who you are, your identity. That's what it means to have an identity in Christ. You're holy, which means set apart. Meaning, you have all this worldliness and all these people out here who live for money and whatever they want to do. Folks, Paris four days ago, Sherry and I went on this run at 5 a.m. We left our hotel. I'm not, I've never in my life seen this. Not that I go out at 5 a.m. But I'm going out, and there are all these people, young people, standing outside this area. And she asked this tour guide, running tour guide, well, what do those people do? Oh, that's a nightclub. Folks, it was packed at 5 a.m. Music blaring loud. Drinking, just a party culture. And God is telling us we are to live a holy and blameless life. The people who are just living for the night or whatever they do, living for the moment, God is saying there's more. Our message to the world is God wants people to be saved because He's chosen you for salvation. Keep going here in your Bibles. Look at these big words. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Christ Jesus for Himself. Look at that. He predestined. Meaning God's plan is for people to be saved. How are they saved? They're actually adopted. Another, these are the words of blessing. Adoption. Miss Esther here on the front row was adopted from China. We are adopted into the family of God. When you are saved, you are actually, you are not receiving a COVID certificate to board an airplane, you're receiving an adoption certificate from God to go to heaven, saying, "You here's the paperwork. You are going to heaven. You are a child. You are a son. You are a daughter of the king. That's, that is spiritual adoption into the family of God. 
when you, when you walk this aisle, our invitation, you give your life to Jesus, you are actually getting a, adoption. Lost people are far from the Lord, and they experience biblical adoption. Predestination, he's talking about. According to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace that He lavished on us in the Beloved One. So He's just, God has given us all these blessings. Predestination, being chosen, being adopted. We can't be fearful of those words. The Bible said these are blessings. It's a great thing to be chosen in the Lord. God's changing your identity from lost woman, lost man, to saved child of God, adopted son of the Lord Jesus. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace. Look at these words, redemption. That means you've been, you've been paid for. You've been redeemed. You have received forgiveness. You're no longer guilty. Again, these are all spiritual blessings of our identity that He richly poured on us with all wisdom and understanding. God literally pours all of these things on us for us to receive. He's teaching the man sitting in jail, telling the church in Ephesus. He's in Rome. The church in Ephesus is in Turkey. And he's saying, look at this great identity that you have. Look at how you need to think of yourself. Don't view yourself as worldly. You have been richly blessed by the Lord. Well, I can't stress how fortunate we are to be here at Broadway Baptist Church. You are at a Bible-believing, gospel-centered church that believes in the inerrancy and infallibility of the Word of God. They are few and far between. They're getting fewer and fewer. We stand on biblical truth. And Paul is saying, you don't need to take that for granted. Because maybe the church in Ephesus, they were, they were losing their identity. They were trying to become worldly. And Paul's saying, don't do it. He keeps on going here. He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure that He purposed in Christ. So God is revealing the plan which is in Christ as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in Him. The Lord Jesus is not only Lord in heaven, He's actually Lord here on earth. Everything comes under God's plan. Nothing is an accident. Nothing is a coincidence. The Lord is in total control. And we take hope and comfort in this verse because when we wonder, it says, God, what is going on in my life? What's going on in this world? You, you see how divisive our world is? You see the ongoing bickering and fighting going on? And you wonder, well, what's happening? Even this coming week, the Southern Baptist Convention is going to meet in Anaheim, California, beginning tomorrow, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and they are divided. So wherever it is, 
you're going to experience, you just see this division, and the Lord is saying, you come together under the Lordship of Christ, because He is the one we give an account to. In Him, we all have received an inheritance, because we were, look at this, predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of His will. So God is revealing to us this morning, God has a plan, He's predestined that plan for His will, and you might not understand it, but the Lord does, so that we who had already put our hope in Christ Jesus might bring praise to His glory. Now look at this. This next verse tells us, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit literally comes inside of your heart. You ever heard that phrase, ask Jesus inside of your heart? Actually, the Holy Spirit is the one who comes inside of your heart. And He actually stays with us all the way to the end. When someone is saved, they do not and cannot lose their salvation. You say, well, pastor, what about the man or the woman who claims they were saved at VBS but hasn't been to church and hasn't lived for the Lord for 40 years? Well, most likely, they were not saved. Because when someone is saved, they change their life. It's transformed from being lost, being separated from God, to all of a sudden receiving the Holy Spirit and living for the Lord. Now, say, what's a backslider? A backslider is someone who lives, maybe lived for the Lord for a long time, many years, decades, and all of a sudden they got out of the habit. Maybe some of you have been backsliding. You've gotten out of the habit of going to church. And God speaks to backsliders. Backsliders meaning you had to go backwards. Saved people don't have any backwards to go because they're not saved or unsaved people. There's nowhere to go if you're lost. You never went forward. So a backslider is saved. This person here, the person who's redeemed, that means they are redeemed to the end. Once you know Christ, God, His hand is not too short or too weak to keep you in that grip. Meaning, we have eternal security. Many of us as Baptists use the phrase, once saved, always saved. The problem with that statement, that statement is not found in the Bible. The correct biblical term for us is what we call eternal security meaning we are secure in Christ to the end. He saves us all the way to the end. <coughs> Keep going here in your Bibles. Look at this verse. In Him, you were also sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. When you heard the word of truth, and that's what you're hearing this morning, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believe. That phrase, and when you believe, that is what it means to trust in Jesus. That is responding. Meaning at some point in your life, and in my life, it was when I was 15 years old, I trusted in Jesus for my Lord and Savior. And at that point, the Bible says, I was sealed with the Holy Spirit. I received this promise. It describes it in verse 14. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance and to the redemption of the possession, to the praise of His glory. Meaning, you have received this down payment. The plan of the Lord is to save you, to give you this down payment, to seal you to salvation. You're here this morning, 
and the Lord is speaking to you. He's using all of these church words, maybe words we don't use in our regular vocabulary. We went to the Shakespeare's Globe Theater. I can't pronounce a single word in Shakespeare. Have you ever tried to read Shakespeare? It's old English and then a little bit older than that. And for us, many times when we read our Bibles, we can feel that same way. But these words have a great, deep meaning for us. Redemption, inheritance, predestination. He goes on to say, uh, these spiritual blessings, adoption. He's describing our identity in Christ. So what the first section here, Paul is teaching us is to say you are changing. No longer are you going to think this way as a lost man. You're going to start identifying and believing and noticing your identity. You have received a down payment. The Holy Spirit is from. And I want to tell you, if you know of someone, maybe they have fallen away and they're struggling in their walk with Christ, read them Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Remind them about who they are. The Holy Spirit has come inside. They believe They've trusted in Christ, and the Holy Spirit has made their home. And it's an inheritance. Now, the second section we're about to read here, briefly, is about our prayer life. Now, many times when we pray for other people, our, prayer, you, our prayers are usually, Lord, heal me. Lord, give me money. Send me a new wife. Send me a better girlfriend. Give me this. I mean, you just go through whatever your list is. You just, you, it's, a, it's a laundry list of things we want to make us happy. That's not how, that is not at all how Paul prayed. When Paul prayed for other people, look what he said. This is why, since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I never stop giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. And look at this. I pray, young people, the Bible saying, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of Him. He's praying. For the people in Ephesus to receive the wisdom from the Lord. Do you pray for your children and your grandchildren to know the Lord? They receive heavenly wisdom. A perfect example of the person in the Old Testament who prayed for wisdom. King David's son Solomon followed in his reign. God appeared to Solomon and said, Solomon, I'm going to give you <coughs> anything you ask for. What do you want, young man? So he should, should maybe you might think, I want riches, I want a great kingdom, I want to be a superstar. Do you know what Solomon asked for? He asked for wisdom. He said, Lord, I am, I'm not prepared to be king of Israel. I'm not prepared to follow the footsteps of my father David. I'm going to pray for wisdom. And God saw that as wonderful. He says, I'm going to bless you because you asked for wisdom. And not only am I going to give you wisdom, Solomon, I'm also going to give you riches and strengthen your kingdom as well. He gave him everything he wanted in, the, in, in life. And that should be our prayer. We come to the Lord and say, Lord, help me be wise. Because if we don't have wisdom today, we will find ourselves giving in and falling into sin. What, we will find ourselves as a backsliding Christian. I want to tell you, if you're a backsliding Christian, it might be because you need the Lord's wisdom. He needs to point that out to you. Maybe you have some family members. You need to be praying for wisdom for them. They're falling away from the Lord. And they need the wisdom to realize that. And God will give that wisdom. Paul prays for it. Verse 18. Last, last two verses here this morning. I pray 
that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, and you may know that the hope of His calling, what is the wealth of His glorious inheritance in the saints? He's saying, enlighten my eyes, meaning, Lord, open my eyes. Help me see what you're doing. Help me take off the blinders and the, the pollution all around us. And Lord, I want to see clearly. Lord, I want to see you. Maybe I'm missing something here. Maybe I'm blind to what's going on. And the Lord is saying, enlighten my eyes. And the reason why we pray, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe. Meaning again, that belief, that's our response. We choose to believe in the Lord. He opens our eyes and we see an immeasurable greatness according to the mighty working of His strength. I was in Paris. I'm going to end on this story. And I was trying to witness, Sherry and I, to a tour guide we had. And the man told me he was a Roman Catholic, and this is the story of so many people. He no longer, he went to church as he was a child, went to Mass, as he said. He spoke broken English. And his dad still went to Mass, but he hasn't been in many years. That story of about a person who once went to church, once would go to a place of worship, even if it's not even a biblical place of worship, but then would fall away from attending church, listening and learning about the Lord. When that is happening, when we witness and see that, or maybe you have family members, or maybe that's you, our prayer should be, Lord, open their eyes. Lord, give them wisdom to be enlightened to see that they cannot live this life that is described as immeasurable greatness of His power. If you want to experience the greatness of God, the only way to receive it, listen, is to ask the Lord, Lord, I believe in You. Open my eyes, Lord, and I want to see You. Lord, I don't want to see any of this other pollution. I don't want to see the, the, the sinful things all around me. Lord, I'm here for You alone. And God is, God is giving us this, this letter in the book of Ephesians. He's showing Paul, saying, this is Paul's prayer for the church from many years ago that he planted and started, saying, Lord, open their eyes. Help them not lose focus of You. And some of you this morning, your church and you have lost that focus. Many of our fellow, you know, most of us here are probably from the United Kingdom. The pilgrims came from England. We can trace our lineage back to the islands there in Northern Europe. And at one time, there were great revivals that occurred, great moves of the Lord that occurred in those lands over there in Europe. And now so many of those people have lost their sight of the Lord Jesus and the power of the Word of God and the ministry of the church. And I want to tell you, we have to have the same attitude that if it can happen over there, folks, it can happen here. 
Because when your eyes are blinded, when you're no longer enlightened by the gospel, you lose the focus of Jesus Christ. Everything we do here in our life, in our church life, should be about winning and pointing people to Jesus. And about helping people get saved. Helping show to them that they have been predestined, chosen, adopted, planned from the beginning of time for them to come and believe in Jesus. In verse 13, it says, the, ho- the gospel of your salvation when you believe. This morning I ask you, have you believed in Jesus? Have you responded to the gospel? Do you have a prayer life that Paul prays for you to open your eyes so that you can see the Lord? I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning to get saved. With every head bowed, every eye closed, with no one looking around, I'm going to say the sinner's prayer. Come straight out of the Bible. For us, confessing our sins, believing in Jesus. You pray along, Jesus can read your heart. He knows the desires of your heart. He knows what you're saying. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner. I believe in you. Open, enlighten my eyes. Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for what you did on the cross. Jesus, I'm yours. In your name I pray. Amen. I want you to open your eyes. The Bible says we confess our sins. We put our our hope, our, our faith, our belief in Him. Folks, the Scriptures teach us that the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and makes a deposit guaranteeing our salvation. You said that prayer. I want you, just like here, Paul called the people to respond. He called them to believe. We're going to give you that same opportunity. I'm going to invite everyone to stand up. We're going to have our invitation. This is your time to respond. We walk our aisle, and we take my hand. We're going to invite Brother Hurd to come forward as well. You come take my hand and say, Pastor, I got saved this morning. I gave my life to Jesus. I'm living for you. Steve's going to lead us in a song, and we're going to sing. You come, you can also make this your time also to make this your church home. Brother Hurd, you come stand up front with me, and we respond to the gospel, what God's doing.